Hello there. So I'm back with my Ghostbusters Afterlife spoiler talk. This is a full-on spoiler discussion about the film. So uh, I, just, I wanted to talk about things. I wanted to go into a bit more depth about things that I couldn't really talk about in my non-spoiler review that I posted on Monday. If you're interested in hearing about Ghostbusters Afterlife, but yeah, and my review of it or whatever, and you haven't seen the film, there is a non-spoiler one that I did on Monday, but this will be full-on spoilers, so this is really for if you've seen it, or if you don't care about spoilers, then fair enough, dive right in. But, uh, just so you know, aware, I'm going into full-on spoilers. Uh, so, as of in the next few moments, uh, I'll, be, I'll be going into that, but if you're interested in a non-spoiler review, that's there from this past Monday. So, as of right now, this is full-on spoiler zone. So I'm not going to do like a blow-by-blow blow account of everything that happened, obviously. But, eh, because I can't remember everything that happened. But having said that, now that I've said that, I'm going to start right at the start. And the opening scene you've got there, it's taking place like on the, like, like on a farm yard. And you can see a man who's clearly meant to be Egon Spengler. As clear as day, it's Egon. But you obviously you don't see his face or whatever and things like that. And, you know, he's doing ghost hunting stuff as well. You see, he's out driving in the in the cornfields as well. And he, end, and he ends up dying in the, in the house as well. He's, he's, like, fighting off these ghosts. Uh, and it, and he, the, way, the way he dies as well is um, reminiscent to the scene in the first Ghostbusters, though, in the chair when the arms come out and, you know, the scene when uh, Scorny Weaver gets possessed. That's very reminiscent to that when the arms come out and grab him like that. So there we go. Great opening scene. Effectively sets the template for the film. And it's just that was just a great way of just opening the film up and setting the template there. Uh, of course, then we then we meet the the main characters. Of course, the family. It's a uh, Phoebe and her mother, and it's got it's, 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 it's her uh, brother Trevor as well. Who's and. Uh, we have learned that they're down on their luck and they can't make rent payments and end up get, getting the locks changed and things like that and getting booted out and evicted from the house. But uh, they find out that Egon's passed away. Egon is, of course, the grandfather of uh, Phoebe. And they end up having to go to this uh, oh, this house in Somerville. And it's a complete dump, obviously. It's been left in a complete ramshackle. Uh, another thing... So we learn as well that Phoebe is kind of an outcast. Just she's more into science and things like that. Whereas uh, Trevor's a bit more of a Jack the Lad. He tries to get in about the waitress at the diner and all that. He's a bit of a lad, like a bit more of a sociable uh, person. But um, Phoebe, uh, when they they go to the new school and they even say <laughs> they meet uh, the Paul Rudd's a teacher is there is uh, learn that his name's Gary Gruberson, which is <laughs> sort of a joke there. So there you have it. He even says that the kids are kind of stupid and there. In the town, and there, and he doesn't even bother teaching them. He just puts videos on from me, seeing them watching child's play later on, and he's got one film about a dog, a rabid dog that goes about killing rabbits. So, yeah, but there you go. That'd be entertaining school to go. I've got to admit, but you know, he actually strikes a bond up with Phoebe as well because they have some of the the interplay, the uh, the uh, back and forth banter between them is really good. So it works really well, and of course, as well, you've got Phoebe even makes a. A trigonometry joke as well <laughs> so you know and Paul Rudd's kind of taken aback by this because he's used to all these stupid kids as well but one thing I forgot to mention in my non-spoiler review was the character of Podcast who was great this was a great character I really liked him he was really funny really endearing I heard there was a character called Podcast before I seen the film I didn't know anything about him obviously that he was a he must have a podcast or whatever I did think oh this could be quite stupid 
oh, that seems a bit on the nose or whatever, but no, it was actually funny. He was really endearing, really great. He's got all these little conspiracy theories. He believes in ghosts and things like that and stuff. Of course, as well, you've got moments. So he, him and Phoebe, have, I think he's like Phoebe's one friend and they actually really strike up a, a good friendship there. And their scenes are entertaining together. That really helps anchor that well. Um, he's even got little moments when, uh, what's it, Paul Rudd's trying to get in about, about the mum. And then he's like, he's like, I think Mr. Gooperson wants to bone your mum. <laughs> so, ah, good stuff, good shit. And he's got him that laughs at his name, Gary Gruberson. So, there you go. Uh, of course, as well. You find as well that Phoebe's in the house and then you, she's getting directed to try and find stuff. It's almost like, it's little things like the chess pieces start moving. It's like Egon's trying to push her in the right direction to try and find everything. She ends up finding the trap and things like that. I think Trevor finds the car and things. Um, so... That's great little things. The funny thing is, like, she takes the trap to school and uh, Paul Rudd's like, like, oh, yeah, kill a replica, man. And then he finds out it's a real one. And then he starts showing them the, the YouTube videos and things about the Ghostbusters in the 80s. And they kind of get around this. This is one thing, I, one complaint is you would think you would think people would know about this. But then the younger generation, I suppose, weren't born when this was meant, this happened in 1984. So, you know... I suppose they could think it's all a hoax or something like that and be sceptical, so I suppose there's that. But, you know, it shows them the YouTube videos and things. But then he's like, oh, yeah, let's have a look at this trap. I wonder if we should open it. And <laughs> just start to think, this guy's a teacher. <laughs> but uh, to be fair, to be fair, just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you're intelligent. I mean, I've known some pretty stupid teachers and one incredibly stupid college lecturer I've known, so it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. So they think, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's open this trap. And uh, so the trap opens and then a big ghost comes out and they go down the mine thing. Uh, so uh, there's that. And so <laughs> that basically starts all this shit. Uh, a good little moment as well when Phoebe's trying out the, the ghost, the uh, the proton pack and things like that. That worked really well. But then they find this little ghost who's meant to be like the, I suppose, the substitute for Slimer. I think his name was Muncher, and he was good though, he was entertaining. Uh, he had the little thing where he could almost like spit things out like it was a machine gun, that was a cool little thing. I never noticed that in the trailers that I watched. I don't know if they showed that in the most recent trailer, because I never watched that, but that was a nice little surprise, I wasn't expecting that. Had this great little chase sequence as well, that was superb, that was really brilliant. That was so well done, it was so well shot, well done, really exciting, really fun. And you have this well, they end up getting arrested, end up in the in the police station. And then of course they have to get their phone call and the and Phoebe says, We've not had our phone call yet. And when the, the, the policeman comes up, I was starting to think, Oh no, he's gonna say it, isn't he? He's gonna say it. He's gonna say it and then he goes, Who you gonna call? And you're just like, ah, that was a bit on the nose, but ah well, you know, I suppose they couldn't resist it. But no, uh, she she got the number from the uh, YouTube advert and then Phones up the number and it's answered by Ray. Yay! So, um, and here's the thing: people have said there's no continuity with the second film. There actually is. There's not much. It's mainly callbacks to the first film, but there is continuity with the second film, which kind of which shows that it's still canon. Which was um, earlier on, Paul Rudd mentioned that hadn't been a ghost sighting in thirty years. That would be right because that film came out in nineteen eighty nine. And that was also set on New Year's Eve, so it would be going into 1990. That, and Ghostbusters Afterlife was meant to come out last year in 2020, so 30 years, that would actually match up with the timeline. Plus as well, where she phones Ray, 
so he's got his bookstore which he had in the second film as well to be honest the only reason why I kind of remembered that he had the bookstore in that was because I watched the second film not long before I seen this one again so that kind of reminded me of that so there you go but this was a great little scene the, when she's like explaining the situation he even mentions about Egon Spengler and then at first Ray's like Egon Spengler can rot in hell and then she's like oh well he died last week and then he changes his tune immediately he's just like oh right and then but he tells the story he, he thinks that Egon's done them dirty the whole thing is that nobody liked Egon essentially he was the dirt farmer known as in Somerville nobody liked him he was this big weirdo and We've got and he, the way Ray talks about it, he talks about it as if he's done them dirty, like he took the all the equipment, took the Ecto one, uh, but he was doing it for a reason because he knew stuff was gonna, his shit was gonna go down, um, he knew what was happening, so yeah, there you go, he done it for a good reason, so there you go. She explains the situation. You just know what's gonna come later on. You just know, but we'll get to that. Great little moment as well, just before they're like about to get released to that from the prison. The, if the the police is like, oh, we're gonna keep the equipment, and then Phoebe like grabs the the gun from the proton pack as if she's about to shoot the policeman. That was a great little moment. That was so good, so well done. And then of course there's a great emotional scene as well with Phoebe and her mother talking about ego and things like that. She talks about how he, he was never there for her and all that. So this was well done, really good. This is where I said the film actually did work as an emotional family drama. It actually worked. It got those beats very well, which was which was great because that that was a new dynamic put into the Ghostbusters franchise. We've never really seen that before. And that worked extremely well. But as well, eventually the kids go down that mine shaft and apparently it's got the name Shander on it. I didn't know this until I watched the YouTube video after I'd seen the film, but yeah, it's got the name Shander. And that ties into Ivo Shander, which is the Gozer worshipper that the that, uh, built the building where everything all kicks off in the first film. Of course, Egon talks about that in the in the jail scene that was a really good uh, attention no no attention to detail that was so well done of course you see as well he's in this sort of glass coffin and at first i was like is that jk simmons and i was sort of like and then we find out later on when starts resurrected as jk simmons which was great now he's not in it very much he's in that for a few seconds but this is one of those things where bias can take over because if i wasn't enjoying this film if i didn't like this film i'd say Wow, that was a bit of a waste of J.K. Simmons, wasn't it? I mean, you, but then again, because I loved the film so much, I just seen it as a bonus that he was in it, so that was quite a good thing. But but what becomes really interesting as well is Gozer. Gozer was Olivia comes back, and it's Olivia Wilde that plays it. And I thought, when I seen that at first, I was like, is that Olivia Wilde? Genuinely, I was thinking that. And I didn't know this for sure. Now, she's not credited as being in the film, but I did check, search, do the Google search, and it is confirmed it was Olivia Wilde that plays Gozer. So there you go. Or at least the physical form, like non-CGI form. There's other people that do the stunts and the voice and things. But um, we also come in this great moment in the in the Walmart where all big big Gigi, Gary Gruberson's uh, in there doing his shop and he sees a little marshmallow made. They were fantastic. Absolutely loved them. They were brilliant. Absolutely got a Gremlins vibe from them. That was awesome, the little chaos they caused. That was great. Of course, he runs into the Terra Dogs as well, and you just know he's going to get possessed, and so be it. He certainly does. Because they need the Keymaster again and the Gatekeeper and all that. Uh, of course, the mother ends up getting possessed as well by that. There's one thing when the kids see her, and she does that, there is no mom, only Zool. You sort of think, okay, there's maybe aping the first one a bit too much there, but 
you know, a little throwback. It was fine. It was just a little moment, so that's fine. So she, end, she ends up meeting the day, meeting up with Paul Rudd and things, and then they become dogs, which was great. But what I loved here was Paul Rudd was definitely paying homage to Rick Moranis and the way his clothes were all ripped and the way he was wandering about, walking almost like him. That was really good. That was a really nice attention to detail. Paul Rudd was great in this film. Uh, of course, the kids go and save, I think they break into the police station, they get everyone back, they, they, the kids go and save them. Uh, you've got Phoebe as well doing her dad jokes to Gozer, which was, <laughs> that was really good, she was so good at doing that. McKenna Grace is an absolute star, she was brilliant in this film. And, and then we, we, got, we come to the, like, the big finale and things like that, and of course you hear a voice uh, on off screens talking about a flat top, and of course you cut back and it's Venkman, Stance and Zedmore. The original three surviving Ghostbusters are there and we knew it was coming. I mean, I kn there was all this talk about it coming and things like that. And to be fair, about five weeks, five, six weeks ago, I was in a toy shop in Glasgow with Forbidden Planet. A toy shop sells stuff from films and that. And there was a Venkman figure with the Ghostbusters Afterlife like uh, logo on the box. So it was official merch and things with grey hair. So it was kind of like, yeah, spoiler alert, he's in it. So there you go. So this was great though. It was fantastic. They try crossing the streams, but um, Gozer like, rips it away. They even like ape the "Are you a god?" line and things like that. And things like that. It just read this thing just says yes, but she still tries to kill him anyway. So whatever. It doesn't really matter what you say. Maybe next time try. Don't know. Maybe that's what you should try. Maybe that'll work. Third time lucky, but still never mind. Uh, so they end up win, but there was a moment as well. You see like. Phoebe's getting guided by, and it's the ghost of Egon. Now this was a big, huge risk that they took, but I actually think this was beautifully done. This was brilliant. This actually really, really worked. And what, what I said in my non-spoiler review about how this is one of the film, the first time a Ghostbusters film got me in the feels, this worked. This worked so well. It actually worked within the context of the film, and of course with the real life uh, sadness as well that Harold Ramis passed away a few years ago. They did him a really, really great tribute here. This could have been tacky, this could have been cheesy, but it wasn't. It worked so well. And you even get that uh, he actually then stands with the the, the, the other three Ghostbusters and, and of course they win, the, they win the day. Fantastic, absolutely loved it. This was a beautiful, beautiful moment as well. Um, as well, there's a, a another great little thing when Ray's talking to podcast, and then he speaks, uh, and then Ray's like, "Oh yeah, well, I listen to your podcast and things." And podcast is like, "You're my one subscriber." I'm just like, "Are you my subscriber?" Exactly. <laughs> it was, uh, it was brilliant. All oh, the podcast was great. You really worked well. Uh, so, and then of course, we got we got the end. Really emotional. We see him as well reconnecting with uh, Egon, reconnecting with his daughter as well. This was so well done. Absolutely beautifully beautifully done, absolutely brilliant. And you get the sign for Harold on the, on the screen. Beautiful tribute. They've done him justice. And of course, Harold Ramis, they, they did, from what I asked, they consulted the family as well with that, as well to make sure everyone was fine with that, from what I understand, I believe they have. So that was all signed off and fine. And I believe they would think Harold Ramis would approve of that because he is he did have a real... From what I understand from documentaries I've seen, he did have a real interest in the afterlife. That's what perhaps what even helped with him, with him and Dan Aykroyd creating the Ghostbusters in that sense. So he did have a real interest in that. So it is actually 
so well done, perfectly done. You absolutely done it justice. And then, of course, at the end, we get the classic theme tune, but that's not everything because when the the credits come up, you've got special appearances, and it mentions Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and it's the Gorney Weaver's name comes up, and I was like, "Eh, I've never seen her in the film." But there's the mid-credit scene as well. You've got her with the little shock thing that Binkman was doing. You've got her Binkman hooked up to that, the thing he was doing at the start of the first film. Uh, and then she's like shocking him. He's getting everything right, but then she says to him, did you mark the cards? And he's like, um, yeah. And then she just does it. So this was a brilliant scene. It was great to see Sigourney Weaver. She looks amazing. So And Bill Murray was really good here as well. I know, I know he's not really that bored. Sometimes you can phone it in and things like that, but... He was good here. I enjoyed his performance. It was great to see them. Absolutely great to see the originals here. And, of course, he's never going to be as sharp. He's, what, 71 now? And he was, what, late 30s when he made the first one. He's never going to be as sharp on his own form. But he was good, though. He was... I think he looked like he was enjoying himself, to be fair, doing that. And he's been sceptical about doing stuff for Ghostbusters for a long time. So I think this was just the right project. And it worked. It worked incredibly well. So... And then we come now to, there is an end credit scene as well, so apparently Winston has been, uh, Winston's been uh, uh, now a successful businessman, he's quite rich now, so he's now essentially going to bankroll the, go- the Ghostbusters now, because he says, I'm a businessman now, but I'll always be a Ghostbuster, first and foremost, which was great. And uh, I forgot to mention he's talking about Janine Meltz as well, she's in it earlier on when she, she actually wasn't married to, I actually thought, from the trailer, she must have been married to Egon, uh, but no, she wasn't. She was just his, his finance manager, so she was in it earlier on, and she's in this scene as well. This was great, so this is kind of the your setup. If we get the sequel, then with the, the new kids and things like that, it'll probably be Winston Bank rolling it. So, yeah, it's cool, good idea. That's interesting. So, there you have it. So, overall, that's my spoiler talks on Ghostbusters Afterlife. Absolutely loved the film. There's plenty to talk about, so much detail to go into. Fantastic stuff, really loved it. Uh, anyway, if you've made it this far and you've listened to me rambling on about this, thanks ever so much for listening. And uh, I have it. Thanks. Uh, next week there'll be more uh, Spider-Man content as well, and uh, as we count down to No Way Home being released. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to listen, and goodbye. <laughs>